Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today we're following in step with last week where we looked at the Westminster Confession and the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Uh, as we said in that episode, if you missed it, uh, basically we're, we're, we're taking a break from Christians of History. We're back in our Creeds and Confessions series, but instead of going through one individual creed or one individual confession, we thought we would highlight the differences or similarities uh, between two different confessions. And I think going forward, we might just try this out, you know, the difference between the Helvetic and the Westminster or the difference between this one or that one, just to kind of give a little bit of a different format, a different function, uh, and just kind of highlight the differences and similarities, you know, that unity and diversity uh, between two traditions. So today we're looking at the Westminster Confession uh, and the London Baptist Confession of 1689. And specifically, we're looking at the, the article of the church. I think it's 25 in the Westminster and 26 in the LBF. So uh, we're not going to read both of these in their entirety because the the 1689 is 15 paragraphs over and against only the six that the Westminster Confession has. But we at least thought we'd highlight that, that on the church here, the Westminster gives us six paragraphs and the 1689 gives us 15 paragraphs, almost three times as many paragraphs. Uh, but even though we're not going to read the whole thing, we do want to read paragraph two from both of the confessions because they are significantly different and have quite a bit to compare and contrast. So Lucas, do you want to read paragraph two of the Westminster? Yeah. So paragraph two says the visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Hmm. And the West, or sorry, the, the, the 1689 says all persons throughout the world professing faith of the gospel uh, and obedience unto God by Christ according unto it, not destroying their own profession by any errors, averting the foundation or unholiness of conversation are and may be called visible saints and as and as uh, and of such ought all particular congregations be constituted. Very different. Uh, talking about the same idea here, talking about the church, uh, but just a very different and significantly different way of communicating that. So um, it's interesting. Like when I was reading through these to prepare, yeah, I was like, man, these are like exactly the same. And it's funny now hearing them. I'm like, what's wrong with me? They aren't. I, mean, I don't know if I was just like overwhelmed by how much longer it was or distracted Maybe. or what but like it, it's funny like like i thought that those two paragraphs were a lot more similar than they are so i'm excited to kind of like talk it through a little bit yeah what, so, what do you what do you see here yeah so i mean first of all there there's the the overlaps is is really like what so here in paragraph two they're talking about the visible church as opposed to the invisible church right they both both documents make this distinction between just like all the elect people of all time versus the people who are actually here on earth gathered in, in physical church bodies, that kind of thing. Um, 
And they're both, they're, you know, they're both talking about the profession of the true religion and people throughout all the world um, being in the kingdom of God, you know, like those kinds of ideas, even if the uh, phraseology isn't exactly the same, those are pretty much, the, I, I think I would say identical in terms of like the content, right? But the, the big difference that I first noticed, and then I noticed another one just as you were reading that, but the big difference is the inclusion of children, which is very obvious, especially if you heard last week as we talked about the differences in, in these two confessions on baptism. Um, the idea that in the Westminster, all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children, and then it goes on from there. And there's not too much, like, it's, that's not too complicated or surprising, you know. Um, the church that baptizes their children includes them in the church, and the church that does not baptize their children does not include them in the church, in, in the, at least in the same way. So, um, that's not really too surprising um, or, or you know, diff- too, too, it's not a new difference, right? We've already seen this difference between these two confessions. But the other one that I saw that might be more what you're getting at, I'm not sure, is it didn't use this language. But the, the 1689, it sounds like in, in paragraph two uh, in the article on the church, it sounds like the 1689 is talking about regenerate church membership which is a baptist distinctive um theologically and and in terms of history and that is a distinction to the way that the westminster's talking about agreed the constitution of the church in this article um is that what you like what stuck out to you or did, or did other things stick yeah, out yeah no to that you? that's that's kind of what i was getting at too it says all persons throughout the world professing faith of the gospel. Uh, and then it says, also, so far, so far the same, professing the true religion in the Westminster and their children. So, right. so like uh, different words, but like the same idea. We're talking about everybody in the whole world that is a professing believer. So, right. so far, so good. But yeah, then it goes further, but basically by saying uh, professing, so professing the faith of gospel and obedience unto God by Christ according unto it. So talking about obedience to Christ unto the gospel, um, not destroying their own profession by any errors, uh, averting the foundation. I don't know what that word is. E-V-E-R-T-I-N-G. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not, not destroying their own profession uh, or the unholiness of conversation. They're, it's basically saying that they're called visible saints which I think is a significant difference. There's there's talk of a visible church, but this is talking about visible saints. Um, and I think that's getting yeah. at the distinction between families, uh, so mothers and fathers, and then their right. children in a, in, a, in a family constituting the visible church. And this talking about those who have been, uh, who profess faith in the gospel, who are obedient to the gospel, who um, don't, have any problems they're not unholy in their conversation or speech uh, but they're they're called visible saints and thus all particular congregations are to be constituted of these people like that's right. like the the linchpin i think in in what you're saying is that this this confession is saying like this is what a church is it's people that are a, that are this is a gathering of not visible only saints. those who profess faith in the gospel but those who live it out to a certain standard, we could say, right. or, or a certain amount of, of genuineness. Now, 
it's not fair to say that the what the 1689 is is proposing that uh, Christians never sin. And right, if you right, sin, you're not a Christian. That's not what it's saying. Both the Westminster and the 1689 later on in these articles talk about how every church on earth is a mixture of, of good and bad, it, how, how none of them right. are perfect. Like the 1689 does that and the Westminster does that. So we have to just kind of clear away any sort of straw man that we could make here of the 1689. They're not saying only perfect people are in churches, but what they are saying, which the Westminster's not saying, which is the key difference here that we're getting at, I think, is that your um, your Christian character, and, and, and I guess I should say the quality of your Christian character, determines whether or not you're really a, ch- uh, a church or really part of a church. It, it seems to be the implication there. Because the church is made up of those who profess... And do not destroy their profession by these various uh, shortcomings or sins or vices, right? Um, as opposed to the church was made up of those who profess and of their children. And that's where the Westminster leaves it. Um, not because the Westminster says you don't have to do good or because the 1689 says you can't ever sin. But because they're coming at what is the essence of the church here on earth? So what they're, what they're both calling the visible church from two different perspectives. We're talking about what's the way I would maybe phrase the question is what's first the church or the Christian. And I think in the Westminster, the church comes first. The church is the gathering of those that profess religion, the true religion Um, And it is the house and the family of God. And outside of the church, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. That's how uh, paragraph two ends in the Westminster. But so so the church is the household and the family where the Christian is nurtured, the, the professing believer and their children. But in 1689, you, you have to start with visible saints in order to have a visible church, right? So, so the church is actually built on the foundation of, there being actual Christians who are who are repentant and 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 truly profess and seeking the, you know as as best to live sanctified lives, right? Um, which I think is a really stark difference when you it, it doesn't necessarily like like <laughs> just as I was reading this, like I mentioned, I was like, oh, these are saying mostly the same thing, but I completely missed it. Like I think the language is a lot more subtle than the implications are in terms of how different these two things can be. And maybe I'm reading too much into what the 1689 is saying, but um, that that is how it sounds to me as I'm as I'm sitting here and, and we're talking. Like it does seem to be a much greater emph- emphasis on the the uh, constitution of the individual as opposed to the Westminster having a greater focus on the constitution of the body. Hmm. Um, not that the Westminster ignores individuals or the Baptists ignore uh, the body. Right. Obvious. Like, hopefully that's obvious that that's not what I'm saying, but I will just make sure I go on a record and say that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so just to, as we kind of move on here, the, the, the Westminster, as I said in the beginning, has six paragraphs, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. The, the way that this document we're looking at is laid out is it's showing, um, so like paragraphs one and two are exactly about the same topic. It shows where the 1689 differs, but then paragraphs three and four in the Westminster are just completely cut out, not even addressed in the 1689. And then where five and six in the Westminster pick up 
is where three and four pick up in the 1689. So it's interesting to me that if you have a copy of the Westminster or if you're looking at this document linked down in the notes, um, paragraphs three and four just are completely out of here. And as I said last week, I'm just kind of curious why that's the case. Like as the people were going through, as they were making the updates, as they were making revisions, as they were trying to um, seek to be ecumenical, to to show that they're a part of, um, you know, this this Catholic universal visible and invisible church. Like why did they exclude paragraphs three and four? Do you have any guesses? Do you I, want to comment on anything there? I'm trying to remember, I th I think maybe I'm wrong, but. I think some of those ideas, or maybe all those, I don't know, that are in those paragraphs in the Westminster come up later in the oh, like longer article right. in, the, okay. in the 1689. So, so it might be more of a of an organization layout, you know, priority thing than just a completely cutting out. But I don't know that 100%. But okay. I'm just, I'm trying to remember, I think, like, because so we keep talking about paragraph three and four. So in the Westminster, paragraph three is talking about the, the ministry, oracles, and ordinance of God that, that, that Christ has given the church for the, the gathering and perfecting of the saints. So, so, you know, preaching the word, administering the sacraments, uh, discipleship, discipline, all the, all the, like those are all kind of the ideas that are kind of underneath that, right? I, if I remember correctly, those, 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 that idea of the church being given certain things to do does come it up later in, this, yeah, in, in the 1689, but, but it, I, I think one of the differences, too, is the um, in this article, the Westminster does not, um, doesn't talk about explicitly um, offices of church leadership. Right, exactly. But one of the reasons the 1689 is so much longer is it does. So it talks about how there are bishops and deacons and, and bishop and pastor is equivalent here. Right. Um, and it, I think maybe the reason they moved that stuff around is since they are talking about the, the organization of the church in a way that the Westminster doesn't. And everyone would agree, like the people who are preaching and administering the sacraments are those who are dutifully called to mm. be um, officer, you know, elders and, and deacons and, and all that stuff. Maybe they wanted to put it down there to link it with that, but that's just totally off off the dome. I I, I don't even know if yeah, I'm could remembering be. the organization correctly, but um, that there are it, it it is it's just different how much stuff there is, you know. It is, yeah. Why didn't the Westminster talk about church offices in this article? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> hard to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to read like a historical criticism of of both of the mm. writings of these documents, but yeah, I, I think I would agree with your with your idea there that you know paragraph three especially is sort of spelled out in greater detail below in the rest of what's different but that fourth paragraph does not really seem to have much mm. reference down mm. below and it actually like four and five could go together i mean like they're they're kind of talking about the same thing in the yeah. westminster I see. Um, but like i actually really like this paragraph paragraph four of the westminster so i'm going to read it it says this catholic church hath been sometimes more sometimes less visible and particular churches which are members thereof are more or less pure according as the doctrine of the gospel is taught and embraced ordinances uh, ordinances administered and public worship performed more or less purely in them um, mm. but i'd really like that first line of this catholic church hath been sometimes more sometimes less visible um, because especially as believers in the 21st century sometimes and again, this is a generalization. I know people that don't hold to this, but 
most people seem to have this conception that like the Catholic Church, the big C Catholic. So we didn't mention that earlier, but when it's talking about Catholic Church, it's little C meaning universal. The church visible and invisible in all times and all places. Um, but specifically, modern Christians today have this aversion to the big C Catholic Church, whereas uh, sometimes we even would maybe venture to say that like Catholics aren't Christians. I, I'm Again, I'm speaking generally that there are people who think this way. And so there, these people tend to think sometimes, it seems, that the Reformation is like this great turning point. Uh, finally, we started to get doctrine right. And so like we as heirs of the Reformation, we look to Luther and Calvin and and those that follow them as like these great, you know, heralds of, of change and reform and uh, getting back to doctrine and, and polity within the church. And I mean, both of these we haven't gotten there yet, but both of these um, confessions do say that um, the Pope of Rome cannot in any sense be the head thereof. Um, but calls him the Antichrist, that man of sin, the son of perdition, that exalteth himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God. Like so, this I is will like note: some... the Westminster does not use the Antichrist language. The sixteen eighty nine does. No, that my my version of the Westminster says Antichrist. That is so interesting. Mine doesn't. Yeah, mine says there is no head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor can the Pope of Rome, in any sense, head thereof. But is that Antichrist, that man of sin, the son of perdition, that exalteth himself in the church oh. against Christ and all that is called God? So maybe you have like That's... a different iteration or a different version. Like listeners out there, like let us know which one is correct. Is the Antichrist in the <laughs> Westminster or not? Um, but either way, because I mean, like it is, it is traditional Reformation language. Like it is right. Luther said it. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, unique to either of these documents. Right. So, like, all this to say, like, the, this confession has some things to say about the Catholic faith, has some things to say about the Pope of Rome and those who um, exalteth themselves in the church against Christ and all that is called God. Um, but at the same time, they're saying that the church has always existed, sometimes more or less visible, but there has always been that remnant. There has always been, you know, Christ said, I will, I will establish my church, I will, uh, my, you know, my, that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Um, so all, all I'm trying to say is like people today that I do know in real life who, who have this thinking that for some reason that like the first 1500 years of church history are just so dark and there's not a lot of good to be found there or whatever. Like, again, it's a generalization, but like there are people that think that, and it, I think it's dangerous to think that way because the church has always existed. Christ said it would be that way. And even if we've been more or less visible, even if there's been, um, more or less purity, more or less fidelity to the gospel. Like the fact remains that like the church has always existed. And as it goes on to say, there shall be always a church on earth to worship God according to his will. Like I like that line as well, that the church is not going anywhere. Um, that even with our mixture and error, um, we still will stand. So I thought that was also worth no noting. Definitely. I'm baffled. That uh, it's not that, there. The Antichrist part. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, now I, I'm really curious now. Like I, I want to know because if, I mean, it's very possible that this document I'm reading off of, uh, this tabular comparison of them, it's very possible that it's wrong. Um, but if it's not wrong, I'm very curious why your PCA copy does not include the Antichrist. Oh, like what, oh no. Here it is. Actually, yeah, I was looking. I'm, so. 
what I've been doing is flipping through the preface, trying to to find if there's a if there's a note about revisions because it doesn't say, it, it doesn't make a note in in like the title of of this edition, revi- revisions and stuff. And I'm not familiar enough with the right. history of like the PCA or or other denominate like in terms of I didn't realize that they made revisions to the confession, but apparently, um, in 1903 the PCA or or at the time that was the Presbyterian Church in the USA adopted some revisions, including um, identification. So it rewrote chapter 25.6, uh, which is the the chapter, I mean, the, the paragraph about the uh, Christ being the only head of the church. Right. And the identification of the Roman Catholic Pope as Antichrist was removed. Um, so that, that is a, that is a revision that, that happened in, in 1903. Interesting. And, and that, that's why mine didn't, didn't have it. So that is an important historical note that I did not realize because it's not noted in the text. Like there's not, right. there's like not like star the, or something. The text is just the text as it is established so that the preface has it, you know, they're not lying to me, but <laughs> I didn't realize that. So that's, I'm glad that we caught that because that, that's, that's interesting and and worth, very worth noting um important to know but um regardless that that's more of a that that's kind of not really that's neither here nor there right now (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, i don't have much else to say or add here on this uh of the church so is there anything else you want to add no just just once again uh i've i had a great time doing this i think this is a much more interesting format to get at some of these traditional ancient old current creeds and confessions i think it's 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 great to explore which is why we started doing this series in the first place and i think this is a very exciting way to go about doing that so i'm excited to keep doing this intermittently here and there you know as as we see fit but um hopefully hopefully everybody else likes it as much as we're liking it yeah for (laughs) sure let us know and we just want to say thank you for listening to this episode thank you for listening to any episode of our little doxology podcast if you'd like to connect with us and tell us how awful we are or how great we are you can hit us up on twitter and instagram at doxology podcast you're always welcome to email us as well you can find us or i guess email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com Please send us your feedback, any questions you might have, episode ideas, Christians of history, confessions and creeds that you want us to go through, whatever it might be. But until next time, peace. Peace.